This is Express Leads. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Express Leads. I'm your host, Paul Brady. And today I have uh, Matt Ward with us through his company, Breakthrough Champion. And Matt is a professional speaker, author, and word of mouth referral consultant. Uh, he helps services and service based businesses build better relationships and get more referrals. Welcome, Matt. Thanks for having me on, Paul. I appreciate it. I'm glad to have you on. So um, tell us a little bit about your business. Sounds fascinating. Sure. So, um, you know, uh, for over 16 years, I ran a website design and digital marketing agency, and I sold that to one of my employees who I met through a networking group. Uh, And when I sold that company, I immediately uh, turned to the full-time professional speaking model where I would go around the country speaking to other people about how to get more word of mouth referrals. And basically I took the principles by which I grew and sold my agency and put them into a book and then started talking about that book all over the country. And uh, it was at all kinds of conferences and associations, industry specific associations, where I would actually talk about these things and um, travel the country doing that until the great pandemic hit. And uh, that kind of brought the speaking business to a halt because it brought the conference, in-person conferences business to a halt. So I transitioned a little bit into into, uh, one-on-one and group uh, consulting and coaching around uh, referrals, networking, and building relationships with other people. So bottom line is, Paul, what I do is I teach people how to care about other people. I like that. That should be your slogan. If it isn't, it should be. Because that's a perfect slogan. I mean, obviously, I'm in inbound marketing, so we have some, some, uh, I think, some synergy and overlap here. But, uh, sure. but yeah, I mean, um, doing, you know, writing a book and then going out and and you know, essentially doing a book tour based on what the book is about, which in your case is, you know, how to get, you know, referrals, how people can go out and get referrals. So. Um, I, I think that's a great subject for my listeners because people that listen to me, listen to me because I help them get leads for their businesses and different strategies I use and different tools and, and stuff like that. But, um, now how long have you been doing this? So as a full-time professional speaker, since June of 2018, I, I launched the, the book came out in September of 18. And, and, and what, I'm sorry, what's the name of the book? The book is called more word of mouth referrals, lifelong customers and raving fans. And so for three, over three years now, I've been talking about that. And I wrote a new book during the pandemic. And that book is actually launching October 26th of 2021. It's called The High Five Effect, How to Do Business with People Who Bring You Joy. And that book came out of um, the speaking tour when I was talking to people and, 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 and conversing with people about referrals. I found all the time that people were actually getting referrals from people that they just didn't like. And then they were getting referrals of potential prospects and clients that they knew weren't a good fit. And yet they still did business with them. Yeah. And that's a common problem. I've even um, done that myself. Yeah. And so, and so the book digs into this idea of why do we do that? Right. Well, we know why we do it and we do it for the money. Right. And until we can get um, a predictable amount of revenue coming in every month, we won't actually push these clients away. We won't actually fire clients. And 
conceptually, when you think about this idea of doing business with people who bring us joy and you think about the referral piece and what I said before that you mentioned the slogan of I teach people how to care about other people, they go hand in hand, right? Because we, we, we don't really want to care about people that, that we don't want to do business with who people that don't bring us joy. Right. And right. so if we match those two things up, then we have a very harmonious business and we're much happier people. Right. When you care about others, you raise your own happiness. You raise your own level of, of, of excitement and joy internally. And that mm -hmm. propels you in your business to do more with others. And it just yeah. it just it's it's a cyclical effect. The snowball effect really grows after that. Yeah. That, I mean, that's. It is true. I mean, there there are definitely projects you work on, and I think our listeners would agree that there's definitely times that you've done things when you, especially if you're, um, you know, if you're a an entrepreneur or self employed and all that kind of stuff. There's there's definitely people that you know you you have projects with that you super love because it was very collaborative. It was very very the synergy was great. And there's other ones that you know. Let's face it. You, like you said, you're taking some things because of the money. Mm -hmm. And it's not always good. And, um, you know, and uh, that that becomes a problem because it kills the like you said, it really does uh, put a damper on the excitement of working through a project. It becomes more like, a, well, time to go to the salt mines today. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, so you you mentioned to, to circle back for one second, you mentioned the mm -hmm. pandemic. And I have been asking so many people about this because it's so um, obviously relevant. Right. But. You know, I'm curious when the pandemic hit and the speaker, you know, mm -hmm. circuit kind of melted down and no one was doing speaking engagements. Um, I know you said you moved to one on one, but um, have you ha have you considered doing anything on a on a larger scale, like through online webinars or? Yeah, through... so it was, right. So I so initially when the pandemic happened, um, I transitioned immediately. I took about four weeks off. To just kind of think about. So so here's what's important to me, Paul. And I think this is probably very, very important to the listenership. I can give you countless names of individuals that told me what I should do. Right. Right. That told me how much I should charge. That told me what my new product or service should be and should look like. And that means zero interest to me. Because almost everybody that told me something was leading with money. Right. Well, you can make this much money doing this. You can make this much money doing that. And that's completely irrelevant to me. Right. To me, um, I, you know, I define my life by the definition of the word freedom, which I define as doing what I want, where I want, when I want and how I want. And to me, I only need enough revenue to do those things. It's not about being rich. In fact, I came from a very, very, very poor family. Um, grew up, I was the youngest of three boys, the first to graduate high school and the only one not to go to prison. So my life was changed drastically when I went to a, a tuition-free private boarding school in Hershey, Pennsylvania, founded by the guy that created the chocolate bar. Hmm. And Milton Hershey founded this school for orphan kids. And it's evolved over the years. Uh, it's called Milton Hershey School. They house 2,500 students from kindergarten through uh, 12th grade, and they cover absolutely everything for you, everything from medical, dental, housing, food, clothing, shelter. And wow. it changes people's lives, and it changed my life. And 
so all I do now is work every day to not go back, to not go back to being poor, to not go back to being, you know, to potentially being homeless like some people are out there these days. Right. Yeah. And so I, I to me, I'm rich. Right. And rich is a definition everybody defines themselves. But to me, uh, I have what I need and, and I'm good. So when the pandemic hit, I took four weeks off to just kind of think and say, what's in what's important to me? What do I want in my life? And look, here's here's the most important thing. When I started doing one on one consulting and coaching, I made it very, very simple. People get unlimited access to me. I firmly believe in the unlimited access model. Um, I know that when I was an agency owner, the one reason that that I hesitated to hire a business coach is because that person did not have unlimited access. And I felt like that's what I needed and that's what I wanted, even if I never used it. And funny enough, I find that my clients don't use it, but that's okay because they don't have the stress of calling me. Right. Right. When, When they want to pick up the phone and ask a question, they don't hesitate. And so that's a beautiful thing. And so. It's important to me to have that. But here's an interesting fact. If, for instance, um, somebody offered me five times what I normally charge every month and said, Matt, I want a meeting every Monday at 10 a.m., my answer would be, I'm not your guy. I can do everything else you want me to do, but because you want to block my calendar at 10 a.m. every Monday, and I know why you do, because you want consistency. You want repetition. You want to be prepared for the meetings. I get all of that. But that's not the life that I want to live. Right. And I'm not taking that money. That's of no interest to me. So what is so define unlimited access then for people? Because I've heard people say that before. And yeah. I've had people say, and by the way, none of these are bad things. I understand that certain people want to try and set and businesses and entrepreneurs want to try and set limitations. Otherwise yeah. they're overwhelmed. So so for instance, I've had people tell me, oh, you know. As a consulting client of mine, you'd be able to access me on Voxer anytime you want. Yeah, yeah, um, and that's a, I have Voxer. Yeah, yeah, and Voxer's yeah. not bad, but but none of them will give you a phone number to call them. Oh uh, no, I, see, I, you call me. I, so I give unlimited Zoom, unlimited phone calls, unlimited text, unlimited Voxer, unlimited Zooms, I, unlimited everything. Here's my I set expectations up front though. Here's my 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 comment to my prospect and client all the time. I will always call you back, but you need to understand I might be on a plane or on a stage. And so it might take some time. Right. And so I might be on a podcast interview with Paul Brady. Right. That's these things might happen. And so you need to be patient enough. But also I get back to my my clients, my contacts same day. Like nothing goes a day without a response from me. And That was ingrained in me and my web design agency because the number one reason why people came to us was they couldn't get hold of their current web guy. And I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. And funny enough, Paul, that's how it is in every business. You know, and I know whether you're a photographer, an IT company, a web design company, uh, a business coach, you know the number one reason somebody is switching from another provider to you is because they cannot get hold of them. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. And um you know, when I work with clients, I always, you know, have access to them in whatever yeah. way they want to have access to me. Um, I do set limits on it. So because I literally will have people try and call me on a Sunday at like nine at night. Mm-hmm. And I won't I won't do that. I just won't answer. Um, well, but- they, there's nothing. Ro- so so I'll have that happen, too. Right. I don't purposely not answer or push it to voicemail. 
But if I don't see it and I don't answer, I'll call them back first thing in the morning type of thing. Like, I'm an, I go to bed early. So 930, dude, I'm old. Uh, once you turn over 40, <laughs> you start going to bed after after nine o'clock, right? Oh, see, and, I'm over 40 and I stay up all the time. But that's Yeah, so I'm an early bird, not a late night owl, right? Yeah. And so I'll get up at 4.30, 5.30 in the morning, right? Right. And, and I'll return emails and things like that by 7 a.m. And I'm off and running. And so like, I literally like in, in, I always want my clients to feel like they can, they can reach out to me, you know, right. and, well, it's and important. Vox are super easy to do that. And so it's a great little tool. And I ask all my clients to get on it. Um, but I also have some technical challenges with Voxer. For instance, it doesn't seem to work Bluetooth in my car. Right. So that's fine. I mean, it's, it's, it is what it is. It's a great tool that facilitates conversation and gets questions answered, you know, and, um, yeah, I like it quite a bit for that reason, because you don't, it's easy. You can take it, uh, you know, if it's an easy question, you can answer it immediately. Even if you're in the middle of three things, um, if it's a more complex question, you can answer it when you have time. And as long as you don't take days to get back to someone, you know, you're, you're good. And Paul, I have a friend that has a boxer only coaching program. That's what he does. That's one of his things. Oh, that's um, interesting. Yeah, but that's not that's not my thing. But but that's his thing, right? And so, like, okay, that's that great. And so here's the thing. One of my coaches taught me years ago. You got to know who you're for and who's for you. And you got to remember, you're not looking for every client out there in the world, right? As a business coach, my maximum capacity is ten people, right? I don't really want to cloud and and stack my calendar so much. So. Listen, I love to take my side-by-side ATV out and ride all over the woods in New England. I like to, I'm a member of the Freedom Boat Club. I like to take boats out of different marinas all over the country. I like nice. to travel, right? Sure. So like, I don't want to block my calendar with a bunch of pre-scheduled coaching calls, you know? Right. Um, you don't want to feel, I, I hear you a hundred percent. You don't want to feel like you're chained to your desk and yeah. you're stressed and people are making noise and you're trying to get people to shush because you're 24 hours a day by your and computer. Not only that, you say change to the desk. I mean, look, I spent 16 years behind a computer screen in a lot of ways with a digital agency, a staff of eight, right? And office space and all of that. I sold that company because I wanted to get away from that model. Right. And then I went on the road speaking at conferences and I was speaking to the masses. I was speaking to people, you know, 800 person, 1,000 person audiences. And that's a much different experience than sitting behind a Zoom screen during a pandemic, right? I still yeah. did it and, I, you know, I don't have to love it, <laughs> but um, it's, it's, it's a means to an end. It helps people. I'm, I'm able to coach one-on-one with people. I have a group coaching program as well. And I do a lot of webinars and, and uh, virtual speaking. Um, because that's what's available right now. But the in-person stuff is slowly starting to come back, but then they're pulling it back. So there's too much ambiguity right now in the conference space around the medical stuff, around the, the virus and the Delta right, and, right. and all these other things that are coming out and the vaccines and all that stuff. And so um, we just got we just got notification, the largest consumer electronics show, CES, the largest show basically in the world, um, is held in Vegas. They take up every piece of show, you know, floor footage space uh, in Vegas available. It happens in January of every year, um, and they just sent an, an announcement saying that if you want to be in attendance, you have to prove you've been vaccinated, right? So there's a lot of stuff that's moving and shaking inside the world of 
professional speaking and conferences. Right. Um, and everybody's handling it differently. So the projection is the speaking business will come back in five years. That's the projection right now. Yeah, and it takes eight tough. to 18 months for us to actually sign a gig and deliver it. Right. Because when the, somebody's planning an event, they're planning eight to 18 months out. Right. Well, I mean, the good news is that, um, like I know a lot of people that, uh, are, that are really, um, you know, uh, power brokers in the digital marketing, you know, realm that are out mm-hmm. there doing webinars with a thousand people on them. Um, yeah. I'm on one, uh, when it's available, it's, they do about five or six, uh, in a, you know, um, you know, in a calendar year, and those are five thousand people yeah. or more every time. So, um, it's a, it's obviously it's a different feel than being somewhere where you get the electricity and the excitement of being with a crowd and all that. Yeah. But you know, but you can. I mean, we definitely have to change how we as professional speakers talk to ensure that we're getting the engagement necessary in a virtual space. Yeah. So absolutely. there's a lot of um, things that we do that are around involving the chat or interactive discussion or popping people in as panelists and asking them questions and calling on people's names specifically to answer questions and things like that. You can't just get up there and do a quote unquote keynote anymore. You have to make it somehow interactive because literally people are looking away from the screen and doing email at the same time. Whereas before the biggest challenge in person was somebody messing with their phone, for example. Um, in an audience and yeah, they would look at email or they would be taking pictures or posting or live tweeting or live Instagramming or something like that. But now it's much different. Now we do a speaking gig in a virtual space. We see very few mentions on social, whereas before you, you'd actually come off stage and your notifications would be hot because you'd see tweets out there and Instagram. Right. And stuff. Exactly. I was just going to say a lot there. less now. Right. I was going to say there are a lot of there are a lot of ways to engage an audience when you're live, you know, yeah. and and one of the and there's actually entire companies formed around that very notion. So you can, right. you know, one thing you can do is plan, you know, to use pre-existing things that most people have like Twitter. You can say, hey, you know, put a hashtag here, or answer a poll there. But, you know, there's other things where you literally download an app that's made for that event that companies will set up for you. And in that app, you just have people, when they register to come to the event, they download the app to their Android or their iPhone. And then at appropriate points during the um, presentation or the keynote or, or whatever it is you're doing at the conference, you ask people, you ask them questions, you know, how many people believe this is true? You know, and it's some question that's super relevant to your your topic. And you instantly get answers that are displayed on stage in front of the entire audience. Yeah. And so people are pumped about that kind of stuff. It's weird, but people say, oh, I'm, I'm going to definitely, oh, I want to participate in that. And they'll click the button. So you're getting them to play with their phones, but you're getting them to play with your phones in a way that makes sense for, that works in your to your advantage. Yeah. One of the things uh, I used to use was Mentimeter and uh, it'll create a word cloud right in a live environment. And then I can, dis- the, the word cloud displays on the screen as people are actually clicking on the words or typing in the words. And so the larger the word is, the more people are in agreement with that right. word on the survey, you know, type of thing. So there's a lot of fun, cool stuff you can do with things like that and interact. Yeah, right? You can great. still do that in virtual, but the effect of it is quite different, you know? So, yeah, totally. And something like a, 
you know, word cloud is kind of cool because, um, you know, again, people are participating live. They see it. They know the results. Um, you know, like you said, the way the word cloud works is the largest word is the most important. But but it's really cool, uh, mostly from a collaborative standpoint, when you do a word cloud, because you might be looking for different ways to describe something. And it might be something, you know, really important to your, um, you know, your topic where, you know, it's some sort of controversial issue. And you're saying, well, how do you describe this? And you give them choices and they pick from those. And then you end up seeing instantly, it's like taking an instant poll, you know? So it's cool. It's cool to see that stuff. What, um, so five years is a long time. So you're really, uh, let me ask you, I guess the next, the, the question I have in the back of my head right now is, is five years actually is a long time. And do you see that the changes you're making now are going to become more permanent changes even? I mean, do you think this is going to change the speaking industry as a whole? Well, I think, I think, I don't, I don't, I think it's going to change the conference industry as a whole, right? Because I think that you're going to see more conferences, associations and conferences double down on hybrid events. However, being in the business that I'm in, in the relationship business, I know I hear all the time that people are tired of the virtual space. Um, so there's a there's a component of people that are okay with it. They're fine to do it. They like the time savings, the fact that they don't have to drive, the fact that they can reach people in other destinations and, and areas um, than they would typically be accustomed to. And then there's the other people that are like, I am just an in-person person. And so well, you're going to see more hybrid events. And if done right, if associations actually invest the money into the into the right technology, it will be done in a great, a great way. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you will, I think, see conferences come back and come back stronger and more stable. You'll also see changes to um, the hospitality industry when it comes to. Um, insurance and the conference business when it comes to insurance, because what happened with the whole pandemic is the conferences started canceling and pushing back. Some hotels were flexible, some were not, right? So some hotels just pushed the dates out. Others just weren't pushing dates out. They were not returning deposits. So there was a big shakeup in the conference industry as well. And you're going to see more people gravitate toward the, the, the um, hotels and conference centers that were more flexible, right? You're also going to see things pop up around insurance from a conference standpoint. What happens if there's a pandemic? Who pays for what? How is all that? Contracts are going to change. Um, Even in the speaking business, our contracts have changed because we have force majeure clauses um, that are acts of God, but a pandemic is not considered an act of God. So, I don't There's know a how, lot of close, how much there. closer you need to get to an act of God, but I think a pandemic's pretty close. Right. And there, listen, there's a lot of speakers right now, Paul, that have a lot of credit with a lot of airlines. Right. Because yeah. what happens is we had to buy tickets and then the airlines didn't refund the money. They gave you a credit. Right. And so the credit yeah. was good for a year. Then they extended it another year. And so now credits will start to expire in the spring of 2022. And uh, if speakers were unable to recoup money and things like that, and that's a challenge, right? Because uh, what happened in, in a lot of our cases is that events got pushed out. They got right. rescheduled because they just didn't know what was going to happen and how long it was going to take. Then they got pushed again. And then they either got the third time, they either got canceled 
or they got rescheduled. And what, what they tried to do is take the entire set of speakers and move them to the next event. That's what they basically tried to do. In most cases, that worked. In, in my case, for instance, I was working with one association. We were to be in Orlando, and uh, they bumped it from March to July, and then from July to August. When they bumped from July to August, they reset the calendar for the event, and they dropped all breakout speakers. So they only kept the keynotes. Um, and I was a breakout speaker in that environment. Um, right. So there's, there's a lot of, there's definitely, I mean, I hear that all the time. It's definitely a lot of challenges around travel around, you know, even, even things on a retail level, right? Hey, I've got a gift certificate to get a massage. I got a gift certificate for a restaurant. You know, it's listed as expired. Can I still get it? Some places say yes. Some say no. Right. Um, they're all losing their shirts. So a lot of them are saying no, but Hey, let me, let me go back to Mm -hmm. something you said, um, earlier, Matt. So I, I know that, um, you know, our, the listeners have a pretty good idea who's a good client for you, you know, and it's someone that, you know, um, it makes you happy and it's a good collaboration, right? But let's dig down into that a little bit more. When, you, when you're defining a, a client, a kind of client you want to work with, other than, you know, making yeah. you happy, there's probably some other things that you sure. do. Sure. So for them. me, they got to be a service-based business. And specifically, I like to work I mean, I have a lot of clients that are service-based industry professionals, right? So they, everything from home healthcare to credit card merchant service providers to travel agents, these are all people that need to build relationships with other people in order to make the sale, right? So we're not a widget-based, I'm not a widget-based consultant, right? If you have a retail store, that's not me. Um, But when we dig even deeper, it's uh, web designers, web developers who run an agency and want to sell it. Right. So those are the people who have seen what I've done and would like the help to do it themselves. Wait, so just ones that want to to make sure I understand what you're saying, just ones that want to sell web designers and web developers. Right. So so typically what they want to do is grow. And the reason they want to grow is they want to position it for sale. No, that's not a that's not a qualifier in order for me to accept them as a client. But that is as niche as it will get, as targeted as it will get, is that they are a agency looking to grow in order to sell. Yeah, I was going to say, um, it's interesting to to frame it that way, because like you said, in order to sell, you have to have um, a client base, you have to have mm-hmm. uh, a number of revenues. So so another way you can look at it is, is that you're looking at clients that if someone were, because a kind of a typical thing that someone might do if you're a, co- a coach or a consultant in, in the marketing realm, and you know this, right, um, they might do a, a lengthier application or even an online application funnel where people come in, they apply, and then they're either accepted or not accepted. Because, and I know yours is not quite that specific, but, you know, basically there's a lot of questions that are asked in those types of applications, but really they're only interested in, in one or two things, right? One mm-hmm. is, you know, what what is your business growing? Um, what is your budget to pay for, you know, certain things? They want to find out if you can pay them or not. And, um, and, and, you know, what are your sales like? So if someone comes in, it's like, oh yeah, I just started a web design business last week and I have 10 mm-hmm. bucks in my name. Um, that's the kind of person that would be eliminated from an application. Yeah. They would self-select out. Right. Right. And so I'm assuming 
based on your requirements, if you if someone that eventually wants to sell a business, that that probably wouldn't be someone you look at either. Uh, the new the new agency it's owner? Just someone that comes in that's new. They don't. They just probably started. Probably a, a lot new, of money. right? Somebody that just started, probably not. Um, right, right, right. I, you know, I would probably just, you know, give them some free advice to go. You know, here's here's a couple things you can do to go grow your agency, and right. when you when you get to a, a point where you can start investing in the actual business, um, then come back and we can have a conversation because at some point, you know, the early stages can be too early for me. Right. Um, right. And so you know, they really need to be around for a year or so, um, have a good track record of, of revenue. They don't need to have employees. A lot of agency owners are solopreneurs. Um, but they definitely need to have the, the desire to grow for sure. 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 So like my wife's business is something like that would be a good candidate. Uh, what does your wife do? If, if I weren't helping her, she'd be a good candidate for you. But oh, there you go. <laughs> I'll put that qualifier in there. But <laughs> she, um, she runs her own business. She owns a, um, a pet services business. So she does, uh, uh, you know, dog walking and pet sitting for mm-hmm. cats, dogs, rabbits, chickens, you name it. Um, chickens need out- to be walked. What's that? Chickens need to be walked. No, uh, oh. but that would be the pet sitting part of it, right? Oh, okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> dog walking, pet sitting. So, yeah, oh, no, okay. people own around here, and, and you know, because in this area, there's different places you can go where people have farms, they have chickens. Yes. And so, you know, you might have to do that. But a lot of our clients, uh, you know, her clients would be dogs and cats yeah. and the standard fare, right? But, yeah. but something like that started out with just her and $200 a month. And now she's, you know, I think we, I think she's got like four or five contractors working with her now makes about gross right now um, during the summer it's higher because of vacations everyone wants Mm -hmm. vacation coverage Um, but there's the people that the kinds of clients you get are the kinds that you're walking uh on a consistent basis you're Mm -hmm. doing pet visits on a consistent basis every week Mm -hmm. in and out and then there are people who don't do that but they just want vacation coverage when they go away so the combination of the two you know can be as high as eight thousand dollars a month gross yeah, it's pretty um, good. That's pretty yeah, good. And that's that's just the you know. But and that's you're already looking at who the ideal client is, right? The ideal client is the one that's consistent, repetitive, doesn't complain, exactly. doesn't wait till the last minute to call you in to do the pet sitting or the walking, right? Um, right. They're vacationers. They might leave their dog at home in Worcester when they go to their summer home on the Cape, right? Um, yeah. There's a lot of different scenarios that you can see there. The ones that need the pet sitting every now and then. I wrote in my new book that they would fall into what I call the blip zone. So they're not, you know, they're not really relationship based people. They're not, they're more transactional people, um, right. but they don't really complain about anything. And and they create a blip in your income statement. So it goes up, right? Because they just call you when they need the thing. And then they're kind of out of the way. Right. And yeah, they're exactly. not problematic people or anything like that. The way you move those people to more I- ideal clients is you start talking to them and build a relationship with them. Yeah. And then that they move up the ladder into an ideal client, they become more consistent. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and that's true. We've definitely done that because we've moved from having some people that start out as, um, you know, just uh, a vacation visit. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, you we grow relationships with anyone. She's really um, great. Well, and here's the other thing, too, is, you know, that's a that's a business to consumer model. Right. Um, so they're she's selling direct to the consumer. Yeah. Who is the pet sure. owner. Um, 
I, I would always advise her to start looking around at who those ideal referral sources are, right? Who else is, is selling to or working with these pet owners? And it would be vets, right? So oh, building yeah. relationships oh, yeah. with veterinarian clinics um, and other similar services that cater to that, whether it's like the, the people that there's a new service, I say new, new in the past few years of the, the pooper scooper companies. Oh yeah. Come we out to your house and kind of clean well. all that. Yeah. yeah. That's, so. we actually have clients that do that. So we, we offer that as a service. Got it. Um, people can scoop poop and they, they pay, you know, uh, for that as well as, you know, dog visits and, you know, cause some people have two, three, four dogs. And so yeah. their yard's like a, a minefield. So, you know, you offer that, you say, look, we'll, um, we'll do a service for you. I mean, obviously if it's one dog and they, yeah. they poop and they want us to, we can pick it up and we won't. You know, Paul, them. some genius marketing that she could probably do as well as I, uh, we have a dog and, uh, we, we use mosquito Joe for, to get rid of our mosquitoes. Right. So these yep. mosquito spraying companies and they always need the pets to stay in the house for a few hours after they spray. Right. Right. So, so there's a co-branding opportunity there, right? Because people who own homes want their pets outside, but they don't really want their pet outside when it's no fun to be outside. Mosquitoes and ticks and things like that. Right. So if yeah, pets are having exactly. a lot of tick issues, right? Then it's easy to just refer the spray company. And the spray company has the techs out in all the houses, can be doing leave behinds and conversations about pet sitting services and things like that. So building a relationship with some of these owners that that have um, these mosquito spraying companies and, and tick relief companies are a great way to grow the business long term, too. Yeah, no, no doubt. And that's really that's what I tell, um, you know, a lot of clients I work with as well, including my wife, is that, you know, it's all about building relationships with yeah. good partners. So, you know, yeah, most people think that referrals come from the client. They don't. Right. So referrals, clients send about one to three referrals over a lifetime. But partners, referral sources send one to three referrals a year. Right. No, exactly. And that's why, you know, especially in the city, um, there are a lot of apartment buildings. So it's not uncommon that we have a client in in a place, one of those places. Once we get a client, you know, we leave cards and we end up getting referrals from the front desk because people ask them. Hey, right. where can I find a good pet sitter? Here's one. They gave me their cards yesterday and they call you. And so we have that happened to us uh, this week, actually. Someone called us from some cards my wife left at a, a front desk. And you have to do it. You have to keep doing it because people come and go there. They don't know who you are. So you occasionally will drop by and give them more cards and just do it. And and uh, if you get to know them, great. Um, if not, then, uh, you know, it's more transactional. But uh, so let me let me ask you a little bit about let me switch gears here for a sec, um, Matt, and talk a little bit more about your, your, some of the pieces of your marketing here for your own business. So I'm guessing anyways, that, um, given your background being so similar to mine, you probably, uh, know a lot of the stuff. So already, or you may have it set up, but let's, let's, for the benefit of the audience, let's just walk through a little bit. So, um, as far as, uh, finding clients, I know you, you, you know, you have people that you partner with, people you get referrals from. Um, do you do you find do you use any methods online to find clients? Um, 
how do you define that methods online to find clients? Well, I mean, so, I don't go out prospecting if that's what you're asking. Well, not not necessarily prospecting. So, for instance, um, you know, you could do you could do a couple of different things, right? You could do pay per click ads that that have the drive people that are specifically yeah. interested in. Yeah, we uh, do that. We do right. Yeah, we do that. Right. Uh, you can also just go off and provide value. Yeah. On YouTube. On- I do. So, so I have a YouTube channel, right? Yep. And I have uh, hundreds of tip videos there. Uh, tip videos are sent out every Tuesday at 2 mm-hmm. p.m. on my email marketing list. Nice. Um, and um, I do series of co-branded educational content on YouTube as well. Also, have a different completely different channel for my everyday podcast that goes out mass business podcast. Um, and so, so yeah, so content generation is huge. Um, and producing that content on a regular basis is, is what, what we're after. I just ran a golf tournament for business professionals and lots of posting uh, on social media tagging yep. clients and things like that for the last 40 days or so. Um, and it will continue on for another 15 or so. So we do a before, a during, and an after approach to the event. Um, so yeah, so lots of online activity for sure. All right, cool. Because I was thinking that, um, you know, it's probably a really good chance you had a lot of this stuff covered. So Obviously, you know, uh, and I do things like, and by the way, your, <laughs> your answers are vastly different than most people um, yeah. that I interview because most of them don't do. Sure. They're not connected. Enough. Right. I mean, I, I alone, here's a great tip for the listeners. Um, so I have a scheduling tool, right? Um, I use a tool called book like a boss. It's awesome, but you can use acuity or Calendly or whatever you want to use. I'm sorry. What's the name of the one you use? I use book like a boss. Oh, book like a boss. Yeah. I, actually, I have seen that and I didn't know much about it. You like it? No, I love it. Yeah. And I love it even more because I don't have to pay monthly for it. Right. I bought it on AppSumo for a lifetime deal. So I paid 99 bucks for it for life. Oh, so, that's a really good yeah. deal. So, if, so there's another tip, another hack for people. It's just check out AppSumo because there's software out there that you can buy. It's, it's a one-time fee. And um, if it's a good fit for your business, one-time fee, and you never pay a subscription model again. So new startups look to look to get con- customer bases this way um, so that they can stabilize their product and learn more about their product. Um, so right. I bought a number of software things out there, but Book Like the Boss is, is one of the So from AppSumo was one that you bought from? That's where I bought it there. But, but they don't, you know. So the thing is AppSumo has a deal of the day type of thing. And it's a different piece of software every day. And right. so... Uh, you have to buy it within the window that they're available. And so book like a boss doesn't, they're not really available there anymore. Um, of course. Yeah. Sometimes they show up, I guess, but uh, so I connect. So when someone schedules an appointment with me in my calendar, they have the option to opt in for my networking and referral tips, my weekly networking and referral tips. And when they click that box, it syncs up with my email marketing software and adds them to my list. So you're right. automating your list growth over time. And that's something that most people don't do with their calendar scheduling tools. What most people will do is take the calendar scheduling tool and just automatically add people into to the list, which is a really bad idea because um, it hurts your brand when you do that. So give them the option. And then when they check it off, 
then then put them in the list and then produce content every week. Now, when I was in the web agency world, I would say at least every month, right? So until you can figure out how to systematize your content, um, it's going to be a challenge, right? Right. And yeah, you often have to use other people to do this. But if you can figure out the systems and process to systemize your content, you can do it on a regular basis. So for example, I would write a blog every single Sunday and I did that for two years. And then finally I stopped writing the blog and started doing the video. Once I did the video, I did it for four straight months until I had somebody help me do some certain things, portions of the video, the YouTube piece. And then I said, you know what? I have this email thing and I haven't been doing it. Let me, let me get this email set up and go out. So I did it in steps and in a, a process, right? I want to make sure that what you're doing is working first for you or you'll stop doing it. And then once it's working for you, you can add on the next layer of the distribution model, which for me was the email marketing. And then right. once I did that, then I hired someone to do that every week. So I don't touch it every week. Now. Exactly. I mean, that's, I tell people that a lot is, and it's something that you hear from people like Russell Brunson and, and folks like yeah. that. It's like, you know, you should definitely be producing content, but if you try to do everything at the same time, it's just going to fail. And the reason it's going to fail is because you're just going to burn yourself out. You're not going to be able to keep up. You're not going to want to do it. It's going to like, oh, geez, this is really hard. So you have to find a medium that you're comfortable with, that you like, that you publish all the time on. And so your approach kind of takes that and and almost, like you said, systematizes it in, yeah. into a process where you're going, okay, I'm going to do this. Then I'm going to do video. Then I'm going to do, you know, well, and I, funny I'm enough, pause. I didn't even think of it like that. Right. I just bit off what I could chew. This is how you have to think as a business owner. You bite off what you can chew and then you move exactly. to the next stage. And exactly. so like um, for me, the game changer has been who, not how. There's a book that came out by Dan Kennedy called who, not how. Yeah. And it's who yeah, can great. you get to do the work? Not how can you get it done? Because right. there's not enough time in the day for small business owners to do all this stuff. And so so what? who can you outsource this stuff to? Who can you have write your emails with your help, right? And what's the system to do that? Does that? So for instance, for example, my video, I record all my videos. I come up with all the content. I record them all. They're all less than five minutes long. I record right. them and I record them in batches. Here's a yeah, small Batching hack. is so important. Here's a small hack ball. I record three to four videos and then change my shirt. Three to four more videos, change my shirt, <laughs> right? And then, so that I have a different shirt on and all the no, videos, it's, right? <laughs> and no, then, it's, I'm, I'm laughing because I do the same thing sometimes. Yeah. And what I used to do- Like, what does this guy wear the same clothes all the time? Exactly. And what I used to do is I set up a, a, a camera, a Sony DSLR camera, and I had a tripod and I had lights and I would set it up and there'd be art in the background. Yeah, no, not anymore. It's too much yeah. work. Now I just do it at the computer and I'm good with it, right? Then I take the video file and I drop it into the top of the machine. I put it in a spreadsheet and then the rest is taken care of. Right. I don't touch it after that. No, it's now, perfect. And that's, it, that's it, right. It doesn't get there immediately, right? You, it took me years to get to that point. Right. I'm a, as, as I love to say, I'm a 20-year overnight success. <laughs> no, I, I love it. And it's true. And I... You know, sometimes, you know, what you're describing, um, you know, is I think is a, a great uh, method to trying to if your goal is to to eventually go to each uh, medium and do that, then mm-hmm. that's perfect. And I know some people, for instance, aren't 
They just aren't video people. They don't want to do video. So they, they have options. They can do things that don't show their face. There's lots of ways you can create videos to do that. Or you can just stick to a medium you're more comfortable with and really, you know, build an audience there and do that there and, and uh, like podcasting or something where you don't necessarily have to do that. But, but yeah, I mean, um, there are so many ways to, uh, you know, build your brand, engage people, get leads. Um, and, and, you know, I love what you said about uh, going from Calendly to your CRM because, mm-hmm. uh, or not Calendly, whatever you use. Look like a boss, Book right? like a boss, right? So, um, but I've done that with clients before. I, I didn't use Book Like a Boss, but, mm-hmm. you know, use this little tool called Zapier. Yeah. And it just connects any or most disparate tools that don't necessarily work together. Um, so I'll take stuff from you know, Calendly and I'll throw it into Active Campaign, or I'll throw it into ClickFunnels or whatever I happen to be using uh, at that time or GetResponse or whatever, you know, yeah. and um, it's, and, you know, it's a good way to build an, um, a mailing list, but it's a good way to build a mailing list that's, you know, um, pro- employs the right mail segmentation, right? Because you might have certain yeah. audiences, you just want to throw everyone into one mailing list, because then, then you're losing people when you start sending out messages yeah. about Topic. Definitely think that um, list segmentation is important, right? I'm, I'm getting ready to do a list segmentation process inside of my list, right? Because I realized I have all these people from all over the country who've seen me speak or they're on webinars. I do a chamber webinar for Henderson, Nevada Chamber of Commerce and 60 people are, end up on my list, right? Right. And so then I sent out an email about the big event, which is a golf tournament for businesses here in Massachusetts. And they have no interest in that. They're not flying here for that. Right. Right. So so they're getting irrelevant content. And so I'm a, I'm about to do a state segmentation on my list where people click on the state that they live in so that I can tell what state they're in. And then I can send an email out for the golf tournament only to the people in Massachusetts. Right. right. In-person exactly. networking events in Massachusetts or the Mass Business Connections Facebook group in Massachusetts. Right. Because it doesn't matter if they're in another state. And so you have to think about how, you know, how, how do you make your messaging, no matter what it is, relevant to the person on the other side of the screen? Right, exactly. And that's how uh, the more targeted, the better. Because if they're not targeted, yeah. then you're just going to lose people. But if you, you know, I work with a nonprofit that, that had um, five core principles. And they were split along the lines of, you know, um, the types of things they advocate. So for instance, livable wage, um, you know, uh, universal healthcare, stuff like that. Right. So you would, you could do a number of things, right. You could set up a survey to go in and do that. I didn't do that, but you could have surveys where you're asking people about something, if it makes sense for what you're doing and depending on their answers, they go into a certain mailing list. Once they are sent to a page where it says, Hey, great. So you're interested in this, grab an ebook, it's all about this and we'll send it to your email. You know, you do that, but, or you just do targeted advertising from Google or Facebook and that advertising, um, you know, each of those, each, you know, piece of those five core messages from that nonprofit are hit up as separate ads. And so every person that hits that is sent to a specific mailing list for the nonprofit. And then they only get email about livable wage or they only get email about those things. So that's, there's a lot of ways to do things like that. And definitely um, the more specific, the more targeted, the better. Um, so let me, I'm going to, uh, this is a question I've been dying to know the answer to because 
Um, I, like I said, I get, I get such different, vastly different answers from most people I talk to, but mm. so how big is your, would you say your email list is right now? Oh, I don't know. A few thousand. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I mean, I get people that, that, uh, you know, say they have 30, I have some people yeah. say they don't have an email list at all. So um, Paul, when I was with the agency, I was the number three partner in the country for constant contact email marketing. Right. And I spoke at two of their partner conferences back in the, uh, I don't know when it was mid, mid 2014 or so. Um, the, the problem with email marketing as a whole is people are so short-sighted with it. They expect so they expect results right away. And so what happens <laughs> yeah. is they start to build this list. They get 50 people on it and they don't send an email because they think 50 people isn't any good. Right. But you, you know, and I know that if we talk to 50 people this week, someone is inherently going to buy our product or service, right? Somebody is in a position that needs what you have. And mm -hmm. so you need to build this content machine going out on a regular basis. And it's super hard to produce the content on a monthly, weekly basis. But if you can figure out the systems and the process to do it and what the content's going to be, then what you're doing is you're nurturing the relationship and people buy from who they know, like, trust, and care about. I wrote that in my first book. People buy from who they know, like, trust, and care about. And so if you right. show up consistently on a regular basis, and that means as well through email marketing, then people will buy what you have to offer if it solves the problem that Absolutely. they're having. And moreover, they will refer you. Yeah, there's a weird... This is weird disconnect about this. And this is the other thing I talk to um, clients about all the time. Um, people are afraid to send out more than like some people don't want to maybe want to send an email out once a quarter or just for holidays. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't get it. People don't see your emails. Then how are they going to get to know who you are? How are they going to know your business? How are they going to be able to connect you with that brand? So over a period of time, you know, people will go off and they'll spend all this money on Facebook or Google to build up a mailing list and they might do really well. They might get like 500 people. Um, but even if they get 50 people, they get 50 people and then they'll sit on those 50 people mm -hmm. for six months. And by the time they email them, they the don't even know who they are. Who, that's right. They forgot who you are. So that's here's right. the and thing. Remember, the open rates are like 20 percent. So 100 people means 20 people going to open it. That's so right. what people start to see is they start to see these numbers and get discouraged. And they're like, oh, it's not working. It's not working. Well, who said it's not working? You? Because you have a predetermined judgment of what this is and should be. That's not how this works, right? So it's about it's about showing up um, consistently all the time. So the reality is, is, is if you do go look at all the sales studies, they say, oh, this many impressions on marketing or whatever. And, you need, I don't know what it is, 21 times to talk to somebody before they actually buy, whatever the number is. Right? I think it's five to seven uh, before they act on your offer. But the, Okay, so five to seven. Um, if we're emailing every <laughs> 90 days or every six months, and it's only at holidays, and my email <laughs> box fills up with everybody else's Thanksgiving card, <laughs> yeah. It's the most ridiculous thing ever, right? So if right. you stay away from that, per, create something that's of value right? and send it out and people respond. Some people ask me all the time, well, does your email, your weekly email work? I go, well, how, how do you define that? What do you mean by, what is your definition of work? 
if, if your definition is, do people respond? Yes, it works. But I don't sell stuff in my email every week. I give free tips and information. Exactly. And so I'm building a relationship, right? I see YouTube comments every single week. I see Facebook comments every single week. And I get, I get email replies every single week, right? And just this week alone, I had an email reply from someone that replied last to last Tuesday's email. And I now have a lunch set up with them in the coming weeks. Now, it's not a sales lunch. It's a it's a catch up. We haven't we haven't spoken in person for probably four years. Right. Right. But now we have a response to an email. Right. And that's that's what I tell people, too. That's the other thing. You can't you can't send email out and be, you know, it's good to send email out consistently and frequently, not infrequently. But right. it's bad to send email out frequently and consistently if it's all buy my stuff. Um, oh, nobody wants to that. They just unsubscribe. Yeah. Well, exactly. You have to provide value. So you send people and you have, and the thing is, and I tell other people this, but you already do it, right? Which doesn't surprise me. You're, you're um, uh, another, you know, brother in arms, as it mm-hmm. were, in the field, right? So you do all this stuff. So, but I tell people, it's like, look, the reason you need to be out on all these different channels doing different things, or at least doing something in one of them consistently is that that's value you can drop in. Like if you're doing YouTube videos that describe how to, you know, create um, certain types, let's say you're uh, working with people and click funnels. You say, I want to create certain types of funnels and click funnels. Well, here's a, here's a tutorial how to create this kind of, you know, webinar based funnel that's evergreen. And we walk through the entire process, da, 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 right. You're not selling anything. You're just sending someone to a video who's already part of an audience that you know is interested in that tool and they go and watch it. So um, you can have active and passive calls to action in in the description of YouTube where you don't mention it, but maybe you have a link to an offer or something, or maybe some of them are are about an offer. But you but to your point and and to good practice, I think good good uh, email etiquette. Uh, you want to send mostly value out, and then you know build. And then when you have something to buy, people will potentially buy. Right. Yeah. Build the value, build the trust, build the relationship. And then it's, it's, you know, Gary V talked about it in his book, um, jab, 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 right hook. Now I think that's a bit aggressive, but the concept is you drip all this information out there and then you ask for a purchase and conceptually, subconsciously that works. Right. Um, you know, I don't purposely send content out to sell something. Right. But I also know that my email list is solid, right? Because every right. week somebody unsubscribes. And you know what? I don't care because every week they're uns- that's cleaning my list. I'm perfectly happy with that. And we don't know why they're unsubscribing, right? It could be as basic as they get too many emails in their inbox and they're just unsubscribing, which is why you need content in multiple places. If your only way to get to somebody is through email marketing, that's a mistake as well. Right. Yeah, absolutely true. And it's something that um, is not discussed nearly enough. And uh, no, I agree 100 percent because um, people make the mistake of just picking one thing and then going with it. And it's like, well, um, I think the extreme example would be if you don't have a mailing list at all and all your all your sales or value is done through and branding is done through um, Facebook and Google ads. Well, that's great. But as soon as you stop the ads, that audience disappears. That's right. You you have to build an audience. And if you build them in multiple places, you're doing what um, 
the cigarette industry did years ago, right? You're diversifying. They saw the writing on the wall. They diversified so that they wouldn't lose their shirt. And they bought all these into all these other businesses and all these other things. And that's that's just good common business practice. But in the marketing world, it's so important if you want to keep an audience to build them up in, in that manner, you know? So, yeah, hey, so we're, we're uh, running short on time here. So I want to give you, uh, first, I want to thank you for joining me. Um, it's been awesome to talk to someone that, that uh, you know, you can kind of bounce things off of and listen to. And you obviously probably have even more experience than I do. So it was a thrill to hear your experiences and um, talk about that. But I also want to give you an opportunity to um, give our listeners uh, the, uh, you know, what would be a best way for them to contact you if they wanted to contact you. Sure, absolutely. So my website, mattwardspeaks.com is a great place for that. If they want to pick up the new book, it's High Five Effect, all spelled out, H-I-G-H-F-I-V-E, effect, E-F-F-E-C-T.com. Okay. And uh, that book comes out October 26th. And uh, on the website, we're doing a pre-sale. So the hardcover uh, of the book is only available on the website. Um, so awesome. that'll be uh, through the highfiveeffect.com. And uh, pretty much anywhere out on social media channels, it's Matt Ward Speaks. So that's how they can reach me. That is excellent. I want to thank you so much for your time and, um, you know, enjoyed uh, being able to talk with you and, uh, you know, hopefully look forward to, to keeping in touch and maybe adding you to my mail list. And uh, <laughs> There you go. Let's get some networking we involved. We're pretty close to each other. We can definitely see each other in person sometime. I would love that, actually. I would love to do fun. that. That would be a lot of fun to grab a cup of coffee, Matt. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on the show. I agree. Hey, Paul. Yes. Don't forget to live happy, smile a lot, and high five everyone <laughs> around you. I love it. I love it. Thanks, Matt. Have a good day. This has been Express Leads, hosted by Paul Brady of Brady Consulting and Inbound Marketing. If you have questions or comments, please feel free to leave us a voice message by visiting anchor.fm slash express leads. Thank you.